dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. When I first began these leadership lessons on De Regno by Aquinas, I never anticipated finding some of the greatest jewels about leadership in the chapter on tyranny. But in fact, that's just what's happened. Sometimes you see most clearly what a thing is by looking at its opposite. And Aquinas shows us most clearly what good Christian leadership looks like by looking at its opposition, tyranny. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much again for joining us and being with us. I mean, we're here to in order to go deeper, right? That's the whole thing. We want to understand how Aquinas' thought can make us better dads, better grandfathers, better mothers, better wives, right? How in my world, what are the things that are opposing my accomplishment of the good that I want to do with my life. Right? You didn't come here because you're just looking for some sort of business acumen so that you can run a meeting better. I mean, if you did, that's fine, but you can find that anywhere. What the St. John Institute offers you is something deeper. We want to give you an understanding of your life that goes from business to family and even beyond business and family that goes right to your own heart. How is it that I can become the person that Christ made me to be, right? This, this is the real question. People talk about leadership all the time. I want to expand that notion of leadership. Leadership is not just about how well you run your business. You will run your business the better to the degree that you are running your business. The more that you are engaged in that activity, Again, you might make a lot of profit. You might be able to, you know, sell your store, sell your business without this type of thing. You might say ethics has nothing to do with how I run my business because business is business. And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, you're fine with that. You, you might be right. You might be wrong. You know, you, there's a lot of evil people who are business geniuses and run their businesses. But the activity of running that business itself is something that you will end up missing the boat on. See, it's one thing to run your business and to make profit off of it. Congratulations, that's just fine. But the Christian is called not just to run a business, make a profit off of it. The Christian is called in order to become sanctified by the process of running that business. How is it, in other words, that we can avoid being those guys who get to be 63 and look around and find themselves lonely there, you know, on your third marriage, maybe, you know, on your fourth marriage, you got all kinds of kids that don't know you. How do you find yourself estranged from your own life? There are people that ended up, you know, you sell your business at 67 years old. Then you turn around and you say, I don't, I don't even know who I really am. Or I am somebody that I never really wanted to be. That's what I want to try to solve. Okay. The St. John Institute's leadership formation is here in order to help you to avoid that. 
to avoid having a spouse who looks at you and just shakes their head and says, you know, your family over here is waiting for you and you saying, I can't help that, you know, being all consumed with what you're doing. The, the way to integrate your family, your faith, and your business, this is the path of true leadership. And the leadership that I think comes right to us from the Bible and from God himself. Because when God created you to be a leader in business, he didn't create you to be a leader in business without being a leader in the other aspects of your life. And then you look at our culture today and we're running crazy. There's all kinds of things happening out there in our cities, on our streets, in our schools. The family being degraded, people being, being left aside. There's no more moral fabric as governing people. And what are you going to do about that? You're going to say, well, I don't know. I just ran a really great business. I, know, I mean, I, if all you did was your business, maybe you could say that. But the fact is, you're a lot bigger than just your business. I mean, you know, do you really think that that's the sum and totality of what you are? Don't you think that God wants to make you as wonderful a person as possible in every aspect of your life? Why would you say the only thing I really nailed it at is in the boardroom? And there are people that do that. They they end up saying to me, Father Nathan, you know what I mean? If only I could just stay, you know, uh, just I, I'm most comfortable there at work. You know, I don't really want to do anything else. And I'll be like, that's obvious because you know what? We priests, we're sitting around waiting for people to help us. And I was like, well, I guess the priest, he's working with families. Wouldn't it? Why doesn't everybody work with families? Like, hello, why don't you work with your own family? <laughs> Give me a break for a change. You know what I mean? It'd be just great. All of us priests would sit back and say, this is just great. The fathers are working with the families. Can you? Wow, this is terrific. I don't have to sit here and put everyone back together again. They're actually doing it themselves. This is just great, right? How do you get to that point, right? I'll tell you how you get to that point. It's by implementing leadership with this bigger notion. Don't make leadership something that just is about business. It's not. Business is one expression of personal character leadership that Christ wants you to express as well in your marriages, as well with your kids, and I'll be darned, as well in the world, in society. And we start reclaiming the culture instead of letting all kinds of groups fraction it Move it. Tell everybody that they hate each other. Move one group against each other. You know what I mean? Like, and we're all sitting there going like, oh, I don't even know what to do because look, at this. this is all. I'll tell you, if you were a leader, you would start to figure out something to do. You become proactive about history instead of reactive. Because if I could become proactive about what's going on in my 26-year-old son's mind, and I would start to move to take over that territory that's being filled by somebody else. Every moment we abdicate leadership in our family, in our marriage, somebody else fills that hole. I can guarantee it. It's just the way that it works. I call it the leadership vacuum because then I can trademark it and sell it. <laughs> no, just, just joking. But like at the same time, like that is the truth. Leadership abhors a vacuum. Somebody's always leading. Who's leading in your 26-year-old son's brain? Why aren't you? Well, I don't know. Well, that's why you came to St. John Institute, right? I'm going to help you to find out why you're not. Figure that out. Straighten that out so that you can get into that battle and be that protagonist of history, that hero whom you're called to be. Every mother, every grandmother is called into heroism. 
And this, Christ calls us to be heroes. And we're like, well, no, I thought Christ called me to be a little mouse. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you got to claim maybe small things. Maybe you're not called to make podcasts and found institutes and make videos and all this stuff. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. But can you make a quiche? <laughs> can you make a quiche at a table that's set nicely? I'd invite your son, your grandchildren to sit there around you and to eat your quiche. And when you're eating that quiche, can you talk to them about something that's intelligent? Can you get to their heart? Can you wheedle your way into something in there where you find out what's going on so that they trust you and love you and turn to you? A lot of us immediately just shake our heads. But a lot of, you know what? But that's where the battle is. And we're going to go into that battle and we're going to attack that battle and we're going to make it happen because we were called by Christ to win and not to lose, to win, to win with him. And, and this is what we're all about here. So I find this all in Aquinas. And, and we're looking here at De Regno, which is this letter he wrote to the king of Cyprus. I want us to go deeply into that together because when we're looking at chapter here, when we're taking a look at, chap at the chapter all about tyranny, uh, chapter four, I want us to understand the value of what we're looking at. You're not here thinking, in other words, this is not an academic exercise to learn what Aquinas wrote 800 years ago. What he wrote 800 years ago, guys, it's about you and your life today. Are you a tyrant or are you a king? The division line between those two, what makes a person a tyrant? What makes a person a king? What's the difference between those two and how do I avoid doing that? How do I correct that? How do I free myself from the tyranny that's around me and how do I recognize it? Aquinas teaches us the signs of a tyrant. So if I can identify that, I can flip it upside. I can invert the tyranny by flipping it around, turning the tables around, and being able to take the same energy that's taking people towards tyranny and put that towards kingship. And that's my role. And that's my job. That's why we're here. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so let's get right down into it. We're looking at Aquinas here. De Regno, this letter to the king of Cyprus on kingship. One of the, it's, it's amazing to me how little commented on this text is. When you see how much is in there, you know, I think here we're really we're at uh, one of the key moments in Aquinas' thought where he really gives us an understanding of what leadership is all about and how we can lead. And we've gone through the first three chapters. I want to focus in here on chapter four. And man, it is so replete with insight that I want to dedicate a, a, a several different uh, talks here in a row just on chapter four. Because here is one of those, it's like when you want to understand what something is, a lot of times it's very difficult. So if you, someone were to say, Father Nathan, what is a tree? Well, I would say, uh, I mean, a tree is a plant that's big, it has leaves, you know, it has bark. And it's not really helping. But if I said a tree is bigger than a bush and it's smaller than a mountain and it has leaves, that, you know, I, by contrasting it, by bigger than, smaller than, I say it's not at all this, it's not at all this, I can help you to understand what it is. By giving the contrary to something, it's oftentimes the best device to understanding what something actually is. So he's looking at what a king is, 
and he says, let's take a look first at what a tyrant is. Because by understanding tyranny, I can better understand kingship. So before we go into it, let's go ahead and ask the grace of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance to study. Thank you for this chance to improve our lives. Thank you for being with us and giving us the grace of leadership. I ask you, God, to send your Holy Spirit upon this room and everyone who's here. Fill them with courage, encouragement, peace, and joy. And may this study open our minds and our hearts to the great things you're calling us to. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Very first point. He says, just as the government of a king is the best, so the government of a tyrant is the worst. Isn't that amazing? Both of them have one thing in common. And that's that you are large and in charge. <laughs> right? He's like, he's like, that's the best. If you've got a good person who's large and in charge, decisions are made, things are moved forward. Hey, you know, you've got the most energy. The fact is, leadership is a question of unity. It's a question of density. That's, that's the way I like to put it, right? But the more that a person is compact and the more that the decisions are able to be made well by one, they'll have more driving force. We all know this, right? Where, where you have a clear, charismatic, sort of visionary leader and everybody knows and is behind them, there's a marvelous I mean, like what he says goes. And if he's doing the right thing or she's doing the right thing and, you know, she's making the decisions in the household that are wonderful. I mean, if she's, a, if you married a good wife, right? If, if, if you are a good mother in your house, it's amazing the power that you have. You don't sit there and say to the kids, well, I don't know, kids, what do you think we should do today? And the kid's like, we want ice cream. Okay, well, the vote comes for ice cream. I'll give you ice cream. That's not what you do. Motherhood doesn't mean you don't sit there and abdicate your authority because you know, hey, if, if, if I can have the energy and if I have the, the mindset, I can rock this household <laughs> in a beautiful way. The, the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the house, right? And you can do the same thing in your business. You could say, you know what? Like God has given me this business, this authority. I know what I want to do with it. This is the way we should go. And when you're right, and if you're right most of the time, you can have such a huge impact on what you do. You can just steer that ship and people follow you. And everyone says, look at her. She's this, the newest thing in the town and she is just rocking it out in this business world. And she is. Why? Because she's a queen. She's doing it right. She's doing it strong. She's doing it wonderfully. And, and when you have that one leader that's there, it's like you don't need a lot of other things happening. You don't need to develop that, put it over to a committee, do all kinds of things. And if you do put it into a committee, if you do have all kinds of other forms of government underneath you, the committee system, the vice presidents, the different boards, the different things, it's to the degree that you're able to cast that vision well that those committees are able to function in their best. Right? We all know this. The, the unity comes in a great deal from the vision and the of the leader and their capacity to bring that vision to bear on whatever they're doing from their household to their marriage. 
I mean, wouldn't it be neat? You know, I've, a, lot, a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, I feel like I'm the only one leading in the family. You know, and I feel like I just, you know, it's like, well, you know what you need to do? What if you were to take that desire that you have and, and find a way to share it with your spouse? Well, I can't, you know, and I understand. It takes two to tango, right? But if you know that at least that's my objective, then little by little, over the course of years, without allowing yourself to get discouraged, I'll be darned, you'll be able to bring that spouse of yours around 99% of the time. You just have to be patient and realize that you can't undo 45 years overnight. <laughs> but if you, if you know that that's your target anyway, the more singular you are in that focus and the more united, the more that focus is in you, well, the more effective your ability is going to be to make that change because the other people are going to be able to unite themselves more clearly around a clear desire and intention in the heart of the leader. You go to Business 101, they're going to tell you that over and over again. Communication is a function of clarity. How clearly can you define your message? And the simpler it is, the more powerful it is. Remember the, the famous story about Steve Jobs, right? He went out with Apple. They all went out to a little spot. And he was talking about, let's do our planning for the year. What are our objectives for the year? And after two days of work, they came back. And they had a list they were real proud of, 10 different things they're going to accomplish this year. And Steve Jobs looked at him and said, nope, that's too many. We can't accomplish 10 things. And they all looked at him like he was crazy. right? You would expect a leader to say, you know what? We're going to do them all. And he said, no, we can't. We can only accomplish two of them. And they said, Steve, we, there's no way. If we only accomplish two, and he said, no, our job is to go down to those two. You go back into your committees and give me two objectives, not 10. And they did that. And year after year after year, he made them go through the same tool. There's this little, uh, a little tool that they put together, and it's just three simple questions that they have to answer about every decision that they make. Right? It, and it, what is our mission? How does this help me attain that mission? Right? It's very simple. And by focusing their energies down, they are able to do actual good things step by step instead of having this spread approach which lacks that clarity. And everybody seemed to love it and the company turned around and everyth everyone was happy in business land. Well, it's, it's a principle that's the same thing in our lives. We get so overwhelmed by everything that we think we have to do. And when we do that, we disperse our souls. So someone comes to you and they say, who are you? What are you all about? And you're like, well, I mean, I'm about, you know, the Republican Party and I'm about my business and I'm about my church and I'm about my nephews and I'm about my nieces and I'm about my golf club and I'm about, you know, and everyone's just like, what do you stand for? And you're like, well, I kind of stand for Jesus, but also I, I don't mind so much the Koran. And I, I think that maybe Judaism has, is, you know, is right too, you know. And then I, I you know, and, and all those things are fine. I'm not putting them down at all. But like, you know, if you spread yourself out, you're kind of like, I don't really know if I believe Jesus all the way. And I don't really know if I believe the Koran all the way. And I don't really know if I believe anything all the way. Well, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to be a real effective in your leadership. Aquinas says the very first quality of a king is that they be united, that they be strong. He actually has this beautiful line in here where he says very beautifully, you do not deliberate about what you intend to do. 
You deliberate about the means to attain that end. But the end that you intend to accomplish is not subject of deliberation. Isn't that something? Because if I were to ask you, what are you guys thinking about? What do you, most of you would say, you know what? I'm trying to think about what I should do with my life, what I should do with my business. You know, and I'm like, that's just fine. But what if instead, you, as soon as you get to that point where you're like, you know what? This is what I need to do. That's when your leadership begins. You can't lead people towards a destination that you're not sure of yourself. Very first step of leadership, according to Aquinas, get sure of where you're going. And the more that you inhabit that vision, you know what I'm going to do, honey? We're going to have a family that sits down and has meals together. There you go. Then it's like, well, how do we get there? Because our kids hate us and we don't talk to each other. Okay. Then now we can take steps one step at a time, right? We're going to get there one step at a time, but I know where we're going. We're going towards family meals. We're going towards family holidays. We're going towards being with our kids. We're going towards whatever it is that we're going towards. But as soon as, if you don't have that end in mind, you can't lead anyone towards it. And Aquinas is like, that's where leadership begins. It begins by you resolving in your heart where you're going. And if, if you're going to the right spot, it'll be good leadership. And if you're going to the wrong spot, it won't be the best. But that's not all he says. He says, then the second step comes next. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. All right, so here we are. We're trying to make our lives better and our families better, right? So the first thing I've got to do is know where I'm going. I, and Aquinas is like, the more unified you are about that, then the better. And he contrasts it with a tyrant. And he says, you see, that the whole thing about a tyrant is that they are also a king, so to speak, in that they are unified in themselves about where they're going. But whereas the king has an intention that is good, the tyrant intends something that is bad. Now, right away, I'm amazed by this because it means that morality is objective. And I just got to say this because there's a lot of people walking around today saying there is no such thing as objective morality. And I'm like, really? You know, it's like when you're in a pandemic, is it moral to not wear a mask? Well, people would say, well, no. I mean, like, I walk around, I see all kinds of signs going around saying it's, it, during a pandemic, you must wear a mask. It's the right thing to do, right? Do the right thing. And I'm just like, that's amazing. Because as a priest, I walk around saying, you have to go to church on Sunday. And everyone says, don't impose your morality upon me. I'm like, well, that's kind of funny, you know? <laughs> I, is our treating all races equally? Is that right or is that wrong? Well, everyone says, well, that's right. And I'm like, you're right. That is right. There are other things that are right too, right? I mean, there's all kinds of moral codes that exist around the way we use our body, around the way we regulate marriage, around what we can do with an unborn child or can't do. Why is it that that's suddenly an imposition of morality when we actually all acknowledge that there is morality? Well, for a king, his job or her job is to move the people under them towards what's right. And Aquinas gives us this definition. This is the second thing that we need, the second step to good leadership. The first is that we know where we're going. But the second is that where we're going benefit the people who are underneath us, even if that requires self-sacrifice 
from the leader himself. If the leader herself has in mind to move the people towards a better place that will allow each one of them to attain their God-given potential more deeply and attain the peace and the harmony of the lives that they seek for, then that leader has done her job. And that might mean sacrifice, but there is a way of qualifying what is right and what is wrong in leadership. And the way is the real, true, authentic benefit of the people who are underneath them. So you can ask yourselves right away, this is what makes the difference between a king and a tyrant. It's not the strength of their charisma. It's not the strength or the focus of their vision. It's whether or not the people are served by their leadership or in fact, whether or not they use the people in order to guarantee their own benefit at the expense of the people's. And that's in business, that's in family. You, you can have a real strong authoritative father who is absolutely a devastation to his kids and to his wife. You can have an absolutely clear, focused mother. But if she's all about herself, then she's going to use her power to squelch the kids and keep it all about her. And in the end, she'll be a tyrant. It's not the strength of your personality or the focus of your vision that ensures that you're doing God's will. The second criteria has to come in, and that is that what you are doing actually is at the benefit of the people. And this is what I mean by inverting tyranny. If I can understand that and I say, look at the example in my head of what I don't want to be, it really helps me to steer my ship right. Because all of us are kind of clueless. I mean, what does it look like to be a really holy priest, Father Nathan? I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, it looks like this. It looks like that. And then especially if you say, what does it look like you being the holy priest that you're called? I'm like, I don't know because I'm not that yet. But I tell you what, if I were to look at what it looks like to be corrupt, lazy, bad, you know, and the Bible describes that all over the place, I, it would help me to steer my ship aright. I want you to get a vision in your head of what you don't want to be. Why don't you start there? What is it that I don't want to look like in the business workplace, in my, in my company, in my family, and in my marriage? What would that look like if actually what I was doing was using my privilege for my own gain at the expense of others? And the people that I was supposed to be serving, my spouse, ended up being worse because of me. What would that look like? Well, that'll help me and motivate me to steer my course aright and be the leader that God meant me to be. And the beauty and the strength of that vision will carry me through as I continue my way. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.